0: Welcome back to the Spark Pride podcast right here in the Fans First Sports Network. I am Jonathan Shop. We are talking Big 10 Media Days. Oh yeah. How about that? Back in Indianapolis Media Days. Hey, if you missed it, no problem. I got you covered. I watched it all from start to finish. I got notes, I got thoughts. I got opinions. Let's talk about Big Ten Media Day from top to bottom, coach to coach. A couple things that stood out on each on this edition of the Spartan Pride Podcast. We're going to go from A to Z, if you will, from Tony Petiti all the way through the final coach appearing at Big Ten Media Days on this edition of the Spartan Pride Podcast. From new Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti through Jim Harbaugh, Big Ten Media Days earlier this week, of course, Wednesday and Thursday. Usually there's not too much that comes out of it. This time there was a lot on the table. Brand new commissioner for the Big Ten. Brand new proposed scandal at Minnesota. New coaches, new faces, new problems always new solutions and maybe some new contenders that's what we heard this week at big 10 media day my impressions of tony Petit were a guy that knew he was at a new spot in his career we haven't heard a lot from tony petiti he is the new big 10 commissioner he did talk about the television deals and saying that we will be able to fulfill them Uh, that's an interesting idea He didn't talk too much about Big Ten expansion, and of course during the Big Ten media days broke the news that Colorado is back to the Big 12, and the Pac-10, or what's left of it, is in some trouble. This is a whole separate show. We talked about this earlier in an earlier edition of the Spartan Pride podcast, but I think there's a real good chance the Big Ten looks to expand and really complete what would be a fascinating Big Ten West division, a division of five schools that would naturally play each other quite a bit, including there's four of your games football-wise. And let's see what happens. This is really breaking. We're not going to know what reaction the sport has, the Big Ten has, probably for a couple of days. But Tony Petiti got that conference in before this news broke. He is not the public speaking figure or force that Jim Delaney or Kevin Warren was, but this is also his first year in a real tough situation because of just the world that he's entered into. It'll be interesting to see what his future holds. He does not want to crash the car, if you will. I'm not sure he also even wants to apply a coat of wax. I think stability is probably something that he would be looking for, anybody in that situation, but... I think this is the time to move, to be honest with you. Let's see what Tony Petiti does from here. Let's see what's working behind the scenes. Because as of right now, Washington, Oregon, Stanford, Utah, and the rest of the Pac-10 or whatever's left of it, right now I think there's nine schools. They got to get busy in a hurry. First up on day one was the Fighting Illini's Brett Bielma. Bielma has it going on right now all things are ending really trending well in Champaign. a lot of schools are benefiting from the dollars that are coming in via big 10 contracts and tv contracts but i'm not sure many will benefit more than illinois illinois had a lot of funding problems for a long time those are on the way out and they also had some coaching instability that sounds like it's on the way out the headline i took from bet bielma without question Was that his new contract with the Fighting Illini has a non compete with all Big Ten schools. That is what Bielma said in public. So if you think that he may one day end up and go across the league, Penn State, Southern Cal, uh, Nebraska, Michigan State, whatever, sounds like it's not gonna happen. Bielma wants Illinois to be his last stop as a coach. He's set up to do it. And I'm telling you, like we talked about at Spartan Nation when Michigan State was searching for coaches, and Bielma was certainly a viable candidate. The Brett Belma you're getting in 2020, 21, 22, 23, and beyond, that's not the same guy that left Wisconsin when he probably should not have. That's not the same guy that had the ugly exit at Arkansas. It is the guy that took his professional work forward under Bill Belichick and also with the New York Giants. Illinois is on the way up. Take a look and see what they do from here. A school with a much longer runway is Greg Schiano's Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Listening to Shiano this week, what I heard honestly was a lot of complacency. Now, I'm not knocking Schiano or suggesting he somehow finds a way to do something magical with Rutgers limited roster, limited resources, etc. Limited scope. Listen, college football is not a big deal in the Northeast, as we all know. Now, for whatever reason, New Jersey has had some historically really good production for players, including players at Michigan State around the Big Ten that the Spartans have gone up against. But Shiano knows that they've got to compete to recruit in their home state, and that's an interesting thing to hear him say. We just want to make sure we compete. I got it, but this is Greg Shiano's second trip at Rutgers. The question is going to be, and it's going to be an annual one, is there any complacency in his job at Rutgers? I don't know, but there's such a long runway and such a long road for, no, for Rutgers to go to be able to compete at the point of attack, which is where it's going to begin in the Big Ten East, or as the Big Ten gets away from divisions, it'll get easier for Rutgers. He's still got a long way to go. Mel Tucker was next. He's the Spartans' head coach. I think we got enough or more out of Mel Tucker in our exclusive here on the Spartan Pride Podcast, which was an early edition many of you listened to. And some of you may just be catching up with here in August or the end of July. Maybe you're catching it in September, October. Go back and check it out. Mel Tucker was exclusive with me down at MSU Atlanta Day. And he told us a lot of what he said then and also some of the things that he said that were not public on our interview this roster is one he's more excited about than any he's had so far this is a roster physically he believes is deep enough and strong enough to compete we're going to find out um, pretty quickly whether that's the case or not this is a big year for Mel Tecker as a head coach he knows that it's a big year for all his assistants other than coordinators they're all in their contract year We're gonna talk enough about Michigan State in the future, uh, later in August, really the whole month of August as we know, Uh, but Mel Tucker sounds very, mm, I'd say quietly excited. And my prediction is you don't want, here's my prediction. However good Mel Tucker feels about this roster and football team, he's not gonna tell you. This is a year that has to be shown on the field and it's not gonna do any, any favors for him or anybody on his team to come out boastful, blowing a lot of hot air like some of the worst Big Ten coaches we've seen do at past media days. That gets us about halfway through day one. Recapping Big Ten media days that took place in Indianapolis this week, I'm Jonathan Shop. It's the Spartan Pride Podcast. This is the Spartan Pride Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. I am Jonathan Shop. Thanks for checking us out. In recent weeks I've heard of people checking us out from Virginia, Maryland, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Illinois, a lot of different Big Fan, a lot of different Big 10 fans out there from the ever expanding Big 10 footprint. Check it out. Look around the Fans First Sports Network, there's a whole lot of options, a lot of opinions, a lot of thoughts you ought to check into. Let's get back to Big Ten Media Day review. David Braun was there. He is the interim head coach or coach for now at Northwestern. You talk about being put into a tough situation. The guy's hired by Pat Fitzgerald not too long ago, and he's stuck in this situation now. He appeared to be pretty shell-shocked. He had to walk the line of thanking Fitzgerald and respecting what's going on at Northwestern, which is a very different private school. And this looks like a guy really, um, not in over his head, but man, he's he's trying to, to tread water. He needs every single minute of every single day to try to salvage something. We've seen Northwestern fall apart before. Maybe there's some reasons why. This looks like a long year coming for Northwestern. It does not look like a long year coming for James Franklin. In fact, I got to give Franklin some credit here. James Franklin uh, had one of the worst Big Ten Media Day performances in my time watching and covering them when he showed up one year and just insisted on everything was about Akron, Penn State's first opponent that year, and he wanted questions about Akron, Akron, Akron. Well, that act was bad, and to his credit, he left it there. He has answered questions And been more reasonable with Big Ten media days at a time when, quite frankly, it's getting more difficult. The media landscape has changed, the quality of question has changed, the level of experience and knowledge for the people participating in it has changed. But his football team is pretty good. Now, there are going to be too many eyes focused on Penn State's quarterback situation. Who's it going to be? What's going to happen? New quarterback replacing Sean Clifford. I'm going to steer you away from that right now. And I want you to mark this down in your football brain. Penn State has a new kicker, punter, and snapper this year. A new kicker, a new punter, and a new snapper have to be found. You need to keep that in the back of your mind because it's going to come up, good or bad, for the Lions at some point. And Franklin was actually really honest and accurate about the changes coming to the Big Ten division, going away, the schedule, at least I will call it temporary plans for scheduling because who knows who's going to actually be in the conference this time next year. And what he said was basically this. Everyone understands that the decisions made to adjust the schedules and divisions are really so the conference can compete more on a national level and get more teams into the expanded college football playoff, which will give Big 10 teams a much better chance to win a national championship. Nobody that I heard during Big 10 media days laid it out and said it as simply or clear or clean as that. And for that, you gotta give some respect to the work, Franklin did. This is not the same guy who was just screaming about Akron. Kirk Ference was next up. The big question in Iowa is of course, what's going on with the offense? There are not questions about the defense or too much else. Ferentz has made headlines already and they'll be recited all year about his... He, you know, he did a really good job of not saying, hey, I got a real problem with where gambling is in our sport. But he really kind of pulled the alarm and said, hey, this is something that that, um, we're not comfortable with. We've got to get a hold on and we got to keep an eye on. And to give you some backstory or history, you can check out Real Sports if you want, which probably has the best uh, accounting of this. You know, there was a Rose Bowl that Iowa made in the early 80s that um, appeared to have a player that was compromised by illegal gambling. That's not good. It's not a highlight in Iowa history, UCLA history, or Rose Bowl history. It's not something a lot of people want to talk about, but it did happen according to Real Sports, and by all accounts, that's exactly how it played out. Kirk Ferentz alerting everybody to be very concerned about the influence of sports gambling in college football today and tomorrow and saying, hey, we've got to figure out something to do here so we can make sure... This does not come anywhere close to getting entangled with our sport. Ryan Day is up next. We're going to talk about what the Buckeyes head coach said. Right here on the Spartan Pride Podcast as we re- blah, 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 blah. We review, recap, Big Ten Media Days from Indianapolis. Jonathan Schott back with you, Fans First Sports Network, Spartan Pride Podcast. It is funny. Every once in a while, somebody says, is this a one-take show? Absolutely it is. If you heard me just stumble there at the end before the break, you know for sure it is. Ryan Day doesn't stumble much. He did twice at the end of last year. It looked at one point like Ohio State was going to blow Michigan out. They didn't. Not only that, They lost. And Ohio State, I'm telling you to this day, I still cannot believe they lost to Georgia. Even though that was a road bowl game. How did they lose? One injury too many? And maybe a first and second down call that Day would like to have back. It's still amazing that Ohio State lost that game. I actually think of Day's two playoff losses of note, the Georgia and the Clemson loss. This one was honestly a little more unbelievable because when you consider the bad luck they had injury-wise in the Clemson game and of course the the infamous targeting call, you kind of think those things even out over time. It's amazing that Ohio State did not beat Georgia still to this day. To this day, it's driving Ohio State's football program and there are changes coming to it that are going to be interesting to watch because we've seen some of these before. A player Uh, play calling duty is given up by a head coach there's somebody else involved and how's that gonna go Eh, it's not super clear one thing to note from Ryan Day as resources are never in question at Ohio State football he did notice and mention that his chief of staff he feels like this is a very valuable asset to the program and to his ability to manage time as a head coach Day's concern that he was getting too focused on the offense should not be an issue this year. What's not super clear is who's making the calls or dictating what calls are made late in, you know, key situations of key games. Ohio State is going to have some at some point, although they may not come until November and beyond. When that happens, who calls it? Brian Hartline, Ryan Day? Not sure, but they're both really good coaches. I would not be concerned if I was a Buckeye fan. I would be encouraged by the ability for Day to step back and realize, hey, maybe I need to adjust here. Let's see if he can. But you know, Ryan Day's ready. You know, Ohio State is ready as well. Day two began with Tom Allen. Tom Allen is the seventh winningest coach in Indiana history with 30 wins. Tom Allen is in a real situation this year. A lot of transfer portal players, co-coordinators, and they got Ohio State to start the year. This is going to be interesting. But when you get past the opener there's a chance that Indiana, if things go well for them, they can kind of make a little bit of a run through September. So let's keep an eye on what happens at Indiana. I'm not super encouraged about co-coordinators. Not sure how well that works overall, but this is a co-coordinator in 2023, not 2013. Let's see what they can do. Let's give them a chance. Mike Loxley says the chance is now. He was up next. The Maryland head coach said for the first time, we are here to compete for a big 10 championship. And I have not said anything like that before. That is true. Mike Loxley was upfront about it. Also just coming off a bad plane trip and he spent a good bit of time talking about his experience being stuck in the British Virgin Islands and an outstanding bit of customer service that he observed in the airport compared to, in his words, Uh, really bad customer service kind of around the country, at least at this time. It was an interesting thing to say on that stage. He used it in a complimentary fashion and he used it to point out how important it is at Maryland that they try to give everybody there a good college experience. Maryland has some talent, folks. Maryland has some coaches. They've got a weird thing going on with the co-coordinators on the offensive side. Is it going to be too many cooks in the kitchen? Eh, I don't know. Kevin Sumlin, Josh Gaddis, it's a lot of cooks. Mike Loxley is excited. The Big Ten is better with a good Maryland team. And if you're looking for somebody to take a jump this year and compete in the Big Ten into November that you wouldn't have seen in past years, that's the one. I keep an eye on Maryland. Next up was P.J. Fleck. There's a lot of eyes on him, a lot of news about him this week, and we're going to talk about him next here on the Spartan Pride podcast. P.J. Fleck had a lot to say about his Minnesota Golden Gophers. They have won a lot of games, and yet again, they have a lot of very experienced players. They've got a guy in his seventh year, which is nearly impossible. They've got a guy in his sixth year. That's also nearly impossible. But... They got a lot going on there. You know what's also amazing? They have six bowl wins in a row, which is a Big Ten record. Obviously, these bowls are not contiguous at all. Six bowls for Minnesota goes back a while, but that's pretty wild. They have won six in a row. The allegations that came out earlier this week, Fleck dismissed them pretty pretty swiftly and pretty, um, I would say, a good balance of detail uh, and, and general generality. But he said they are baseless. Um, i got to be honest with you, I'm not sure why that article was published. I don't think that it would have been published in decades past. I don't know what's going on or not going on at Minnesota, but that article doesn't look really good so far. If something changes, we'll address it, but I don't think that article is going to do anything to Minnesota. One of the areas that Minnesota has been very good is identifying what they need to compete and doing it. I'm talking about up front, especially. One of the reasons that I would expect Minnesota is probably gonna win the West this year is of all the compound interest and compounding interest, Fleck has benefited from investing at Minnesota when you're talking about the play of the lines. Look at Minnesota this year, look at what they do moving the line of scrimmage and that will tell you a lot about who is competing in the Big Ten West. They've got a chance to make a run also at one spot on their schedule. Keep an eye on it. Ryan Walters is the head coach at Purdue now. Really tough spot for him. First media day. Got to be nervous. Seems to be on his heels a little bit. Uh, that's, and, and That is so much better than going up there and blowing hot air as we've seen from past first-year coaches at Purdue, as we've seen from folks in that division at different schools that we've already talked about. When people show up and blow hot air, they end up blowing themselves out of the league pretty quick. Ryan Walters has a tough gig. He's got Graham Harrell to try to help the offense transition, but I don't know what we're going to get from Ryan Walters. He knows the sport at the top level. He knows the Big Ten, having coached in it for quite a while, But he's never been a head coach, and I don't know what we're going to get. So his first media day experience was kind of a small microcosm of that, if you will. Matt Rule knows what he's doing. Matt Rule was coach of the Carolina Panthers last year. As many of you know, he was fired and dismissed, and... He was fired from a strange situation. There's a strange owner in Carolina. I don't know if it's going to work or not, but that's not a traditional NFL owner. He's not going to do things a traditional way. Nebraska was a traditional powerhouse in a sport that has changed two or three times since that era. Matt Rule is going to have to apply everything he learned from building Baylor, I guess some from Temple, and from the NFL to... Rectify and get Nebraska straight. And there's a good chance he can do that in a hurry, maybe more of a hurry than people realize. I would be surprised if they were playing for the West in November, but I'm not surprised that Matt Rule knew what he was doing at Big Ten media days. This is honestly a step down media-wise from his time in the Carolina Panthers. It's, look, Nebraska's a huge job. A lot of ways it's probably like an NFL job, but it's not. An NFL job when it comes to media. He handled himself just fine. Luke Fickle was next. He's an interesting character for sure. Um, he's got some shady history potentially when you're talking about involvement with Michigan State. His coaching history is really wild. You know, I was, of course, working for Spartan Nation when he was interim head coach at Ohio State stays on with Urban Meyer, he ends up getting demoted, he ends up not getting a couple of jobs like Miami of Ohio that you would have thought he would have got. He rebuilds his career to his credit, goes to Cincinnati and has success, ends up at Wisconsin, and he, of course, has Mike Tressel there. It'll be interesting to see what he can do. He was not brought there to rebuild. He was brought there to find a higher gear for Wisconsin when it was kind of slipping out of fourth gear. I don't know how fast that's gonna go. He talked a lot about how good things were at Wisconsin when he got there, which is uh interesting way to go about it. He handled himself just fine at media day, which you honestly would expect given the size contract that he got and the expectations that he's got to fill there. We're just gonna have to see how he does, but um, it's a little difficult to evaluate too much of what he said because it's not always clear what he's talking about. It's not always clear if he's telling you what he wants to get out there or if he's telling you what he really thinks. Jim Harbaugh was last. He said nothing about the upcoming potential suspension, which is rumored to be four games, but I wouldn't believe it until we see what it actually is. He has complimented his program's depth talked about the running back options that they have and seems gung-ho and ready to go. The idea for Michigan and Jim Harbaugh is that they're gonna keep going on the path that they course corrected. There is one major change to Michigan football that may or may not make a huge difference. That is Biff Poggi's ascension to be the head coach at the University of Charlotte. If you don't know who Biff Poggi is, you should look him up. If you don't know who Biff Pogey was and you've got access to HBO Max, take a look at the four-part, I think it's four-part special that they did on his, uh, basically the football, the high school football powerhouse that he built in Baltimore. You will see Nick Saban in that show. You will see other names that you absolutely know from the sport in recent years and you will probably come to like and admire quite a bit about Biff Pogey, and you will probably keep an eye on the University of Charlotte, as many of us will who follow and watch this sport so closely this year. How will his deletion from University of Michigan affect his program? We're just going to have to wait and see. You're not going to hear anything from Harbaugh or anybody up there about predicting or commenting on how it will. We will just literally have to see. Will it have an impact right away? Will it have an impact in years two or three? I don't know. But Harbaugh is ready to go. Uh, Not sure where he's going to go. Let's see what happens. I think it really comes down to what is the length of the suspension and what is the actual impact? Right now, Michigan's cruising along pretty well. Things haven't been this well in Ann Arbor in a long time. and. It's a real weird spot for Jim Harbaugh to be in. It's a real humbling time. Such a humbling time for Jim Harbaugh to to be the Michigan head coach in 2023, facing a suspension, and yet coming off of a lot of success in recent years. He famously doesn't say too much at media days. He did not this time, but you never know what's coming around the corner When you're talking about michigan and you're talking about jim arbaugh that is our recap of big 10 media days 2023 they are done they are in the books good news is everybody's going camping soon around the big 10 whether they're camping on campus at a location etc it's gonna start happening very soon we're gonna talk about it all here on the fans first sports network the Spartan Pride Podcast. I am Jonathan Schopp. Thanks for your time. We'll see you next week.